In episode 62, I spoke to David Nebinger about all things community and, well, various topics. I hope you have heard this episode. Otherwise, just go back and listen to it. Radioliferay.com slash episode slash 62. Now, back then, when we recorded that episode, we figured out there are a couple more topics that we could talk about. And those are the topics that everybody who knows about uh, software projects already knows about and has a couple of experiences. And we've labeled that horror stories. Those are the stories that you see day in, day out, and you make sure you never see them again. This is when learning happens. And what's better than learning from somebody else's horror stories than from your own? So there's no need to run into those issues yourself if you have heard that somebody else made those mistakes or has seen those horror stories already. Let's dive right into that recording with David Nebinger. Hello, David. Hello, Olaf. How are you doing, my friend? Always good and still good. So you were offering to share some horror stories. I can't ask you about them, so I'll just hand you the microphone and I'll say, ready, set, go. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, so I actually have four horror stories. Um, the first one was my own, my own fault. Um, so in my first gig, I was new to life ray. And I was responsible for building a portal platform. And not knowing anything about LifeRay, I, I looked at, at Service Builder and I thought, oh, I don't really need this. I, I, I know Hibernate, so I'm just going to go and do my Hibernate thing and, and I'll take advantage of it that way. Um, the problem that I had was I had, uh, four different portlet wars, each had a copy of Hibernate running in it, and each had their own database connection pool that they were managing, and uh, just all kinds of nightmare scenarios going on there. But uh, when we finally pushed it to production, um, I was killing the database because the connection pools individually were smacking the database and, and taking everything offline. So um, it was after that that I said, okay, I need to learn about this service builder thing because clearly there are different issues going on in the portal than what I know about as just an ORM developer. So that was my first horror story. It was a nightmare. I had all kinds of rework and everything else that I had to do. Hold on. That ties neatly into our previous episode where you talked about reasons to develop with Service Builder, and it's a nice illustration for that. If you haven't heard the previous episode with David, go back, listen to it, and there's uh, the first part of this story. And it didn't seem like a personal experience, but now I know that you know the pain that this causes. Yes, absolutely. It's I I learned my lesson after that uh, that. Uh, issue and and I've never looked back. I've been a, a, a defender of service builder because I know from a portal perspective it's solving problems that normal developers don't really consider so much. You never knew existed. Exactly. Okay. Okay, then uh let's go for number 2. So the the second horror story was actually uh dealing with an upgrade 
uh, life ray upgrade from six to seven. And the horror story is really based on um, the fact that this upgrade took 18 months to complete. So it, anyone who has done a life ray upgrade knows that it can be challenging. Uh, depending upon the number of customizations you have, things that you've done will determine uh, just how long it'll take to complete an upgrade. But 18 months is a long and painful upgrade that I would not wish upon anyone. Uh, the, the problem that the client ran into is not so much that they were trying to do an upgrade as much as they looked at the upgrade project as this is the time we're going to make some changes. So we're going to change from doing portlet wars to strict OSGI. So we're going to redo all of our work. We're not going to upgrade what we had before. We're going to redo it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to fix bugs. And we're going to introduce new features and new functionality. So they didn't really have an upgrade project per se as much as uh, we're going to change the world with this project. Okay. And so what should have been a straightforward upgrade project turned into this monster that went on for 18 months until they could get it over the line. Mm -hmm. So it was a mixture of upgrade with everything else, like continue to develop and so on. So basically the, the anti-pattern on, on update. Right. And that's why when I'm doing upgrade assessments with clients, I, I highlight the fact that You know, what we're doing here is just an upgrade. It's going to be tempting to say, oh, well, we're in the code. We had this bug. Let's go ahead and fix it. Or we really want to change from deploying portlet wars to deploying uh, portlet jars under OSGI. Mm -hmm. All those ideas are great, but they will impact your schedule and your ability to deliver the upgrade project on time. So my recommendation is always to focus on the upgrade project as a project on its own and manage your scope. Make sure it doesn't go beyond those things. Yeah, that sounds like a good experience or sounds like a bad experience, but a good experience that now helps uh, planning ahead. Okay, anybody who is facing an update, listen to this and um, keep that in mind. My questions for these horror stories are actually really short. Uh, next question is number three. <laughs> so number three was really a challenge. I, I, I was doing an assessment for a client who... And I'm not sure why they did it, but they built their own framework. So they weren't leveraging Spring. They weren't leveraging OSGI. They built their own framework because they thought they knew better. And hey, I was there. You're talking about me in like some, some past version of me. <laughs> Is everybody like that? I, I, you know, I, I suffer from the same thing at times. I, I, I like to think I'm better, I'm a better developer and know more about what I need to do than maybe what the hibernate folks have done or the spring folks have done. But the problem with that kind of thinking is it ignores that they have a lot of time and experience and testing and evaluation that's behind everything that they did. 
So in working with this client, they had their own framework, but they didn't have all the testing in place. So they had no idea that because they were initializing a new object to handle every portlet request, that they were slamming the heck out of their memory and causing garbage collections and memory issues mm-hmm. throughout their, their entire runtime. So the, the monster that was driving that story was they had everything, all their portlets built off of this custom framework that was significantly broken in many important ways. So their only option was really to basically start over. It was the only way that they were going to be able to uh, deal with their performance and stability issues in their environment. So the moral of that horror story was, you know, you might not completely understand why spring does things the way it does or why life rate does things the way it does. But that is often backed by good, solid reasoning, decision-making, analysis, and design to counter the downside of doing things in another particular way. Which reminds me of a story that I've been part of where LifeRay was evaluated against a homegrown platform. It was an actually awesome platform. So we've seen it. They've demonstrated that the, th- the team was really married to their own platform and they did an, a great job on that. However, we were pitching LifeRay against the homegrown platform. And what do you do? There's, it's a diplomatic issue if you come in as the product vendor and you say, well, um, you're the only one to do this. And is it really worth it? Well, the reason there, and they ended up using LifeRay, uh, the reason that we brought forward there was uh, you might have a nice platform here. You might develop a great framework. However, you're only few people, while um, LifeRay back then, I think it's a long time ago, we said we have 150 people working on it. And that's just the infrastructure while the project team there at the customer was significantly smaller. And when they care for the framework, they don't care for the business value. So if the small team that they had can let go of the framework and just take care of the business value, that would be so much more valuable to the customer. So nobody of them is not required anymore, but nobody's required to work on the framework. And that was the story that we used back there. So that's just the memory that I have on developing my own framework on something. But that was not a framework within LifeRay. That was a framework instead of LifeRay. But it's still so much easier if you can have something uh, where you get everything out of the box. Uh, go ahead. There's a good point that this has been tested in more scenarios than just in yours. Okay, coming to my next question, short as the third question. Question four is number four, story number four. Uh, So, yeah, uh, story number four is really a a reflection of working with some clients. Um, I was called in to help with a client. They were having issues in their environment, but they felt that they were getting either no or very slow response from life race support. They, they had open issues that had been going on for weeks without being addressed. And they felt like 
uh, they were not getting the attention that they needed. But after a review and, you know, talking to both sides, their side as well as life free support, I eventually developed and I blogged about the three rules of dealing with life race support. The first rule is to open tickets as soon as possible because there's some introduction stuff that happens with life race support. Thank you for contacting life race support. You know, all the professional things that they need to do on each ticket, you know, um, thanks for providing the info and, and we're going to try to reproduce and, and all of those things. So when you open the ticket sooner, it allows those conversations to get past so that you're eventually dealing with the issue. The second recommendation is when you open a ticket, just overwhelm it with context, not just your portal ext.properties, but uh, throw in other configuration files, throw in thread dumps if you have them, throw in logs, throw in your configuration details. Um, if you're reporting something with Elasticsearch, grab some Elastic logs, throw them in there. Um, LifeRay is never going to say, hey, don't give me any more of this stuff. I don't want it. Um, they're typically going to need those kind of details to diagnose what's going on in, in the issue. Uh, so just overwhelm it with the context. Always assume that the, whoever is going to open the ticket knows nothing about you. They don't know about your environment or what your your what problem you're having or what's feeding into it or any other symptoms in the environment. So overwhelm it with context. And then the third rule is um, if LifeRay responds and says, oh, hey, can you give me a log or can you confirm X or can you check Y? You want to respond to those as soon as possible because if LifeRay asks for something, they need that before they can continue. So they have other tickets that are also coming in. So if they ask you for something, they're going to wait for that response and they're going to go on and deal with those other tickets. So you want to respond right away in order to um, help you know, keep the ball in LifeRay's uh, court. LifeRay support just wants to help every one of the clients and they're super great at doing that kind of thing. But having a conversation on a ticketing system is just challenging. So um, it can really make things drag out longer than what's necessary. If you wait till the last minute to open the ticket and you put one line in there about uh, my, I, after I enabled SAML, I can't log in anymore. <laughs> Um, support can't really do anything with that kind of information. So, you know, they don't know what settings you pick. They don't know if there's anything in the logs. They, they, there's a bunch of things they don't know. So if they say, oh, thanks for, you know, opening the ticket, can you verify what you put in for the SAML? But then you don't respond right away. You wait a week because you have other issues going on. They're not working the ticket in that time because they're waiting for the other details. Yeah. So the whole conversation about how to resolve your problem goes from what could be hours or maybe a day if you were, you know, on board following the rules. It can stretch out for weeks. And it's not, you know, life is not being responsive. It's, you know, just trying to understand the rules and, and following the, the rules for communication. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, I blogged about it because, you know, I, I heard this kind of thing before that um, people were having trouble getting issues resolved 
uh, through support. And, and I think if you follow the three rules, it can really improve your impression of how responsive support actually wants to be. Yeah. Plus, if you keep the ball on LifeRay's side, then people who are working on the ticket will still be in full context. If you answer a week later, they'll need to grab all of the context from before rather than getting your answer back immediately and continuing to work on it immediately. Um, so when the context is still fresh, then uh, it's a lot quicker to get the help. Plus, I have seen a parallel there to forum questions, which also sometimes just state, I did something and now it doesn't work, which is at least the way I paraphrase some of those uh, questions, where I would also like to encourage add as much context as you can, if only start with the exact version that you're running Plus, please make sure to run on a very late GA version of LifeRay CE if you do so. Uh, so first of all, a late major version. If you're asking about LifeRay 5.x uh, these days, you might not have uh, a good chance for a good answer. Because oh, I've it's answered questions on LifeRay 5 recently. I think there was one uh, earlier this past year. So. Yeah, but the density of people or the number of people who know LifeRay5.x uh, and still remember it uh, is, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's close to zero. I also still remember it, but specific questions on there, um, actually, it's more than 10 years now, I guess. Uh, then, no, it's actually almost 10 years now that uh, that this was out and the world changed so much. So provide as much information as you can. Start with the exact version. And please, if you're in, on a GA1 version, first try if you can still reproduce on the very latest GA version in that branch uh, on that major version. But if you're still on a six. Uh, LifeRay6.xce, then you might actually actively want to look into upgrading to uh, to the latest, which as the at the time of recording this is 7.2, and as far as I understand, 7.2 GA2 is just around the corner, and we will have gotten it before DevCon. That's the plan. We'll see how that works out because I remember I did one Radio LifeRay episode with a promised release date with James Faulkner, where he was on stage at DEFCON and promised a future release date. And uh, that actually was a perfect promise. We did that. You promised, speaking of promises, uh, you promised four horror stories and we got four horror stories. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. Do we get a bonus? Do we get a bonus? Uh, putting you on the spot here. No, there was a uh, joke. If you want a bonus episode or if you want a bonus story, then I hope you have seen and said hello, uh, seen David and said hello at DEFCON. And there he might have shared or he might share, depending on the uh, the release day of this episode, he might share more horror stories when you just see him. Actually, I want to hear the horror stories. I want to know what what people are encountering and you know how I can take that and turn that into a blog series on, Hey, avoid this because my good friend, Bill over here, he, he ran into this problem. And if we, you know, follow his 
guidance, we can avoid that kind of thing. So I'd love to get that kind of feedback. That's right. So in the end, you can share more horror stories if you get to hear more horror stories. You don't need to live through all of them yourself. Nobody wants to live through all of the horror of the world themselves anyway. So that just leaves me with a big thank you for providing the time, the time here for recording and the time on the forums. I know you're not a big social media person, but if you want to meet David somewhere online, go to the LifeRay forums on LifeRay.dev, the LifeRay blogs also on LifeRay.dev or to the LifeRay Slack channels. That's where you can find him. That's the best way to contact him, I guess. And if you really want him on site, then contact LifeRay Sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they do control those kind of things. So, <laughs> but he's not for he's not available for selling. Uh, we rent him out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know any of the numbers. I I just go where they tell me to go. <laughs> yeah, as I said, thank you very much, and uh, I'm looking forward to DevCon this year and uh, any time of the following. See you online. Thanks.